Hello again. I'm Mark Harry, and thank you for joining me once more as we're going to the army. Greetings to you all once again in what is still a sunny October here in the United Kingdom. And there's more reason than usual to call it that this month, after the recent referendum that's taken place in Scotland, keeping our nation united. So let's kick off this podcast then, the 16th monthly episode of Going to the Army, with Kevin Norbury's toe-tapping march, The Ransomed Army.
I've always thought there's more than just a touch of the John Williamses in that march. Don't you agree? It's almost like the soundtrack to an unseen Indiana Jones film. Well, that intrepid adventurer has been on many fictional escapades in his time, but all with no more thrilling an ending than the one in the story of the prodigal son. And that introduces the theme of this podcast rather well. Ring the bells of heaven, there is joy today for a soul returning from the wild. See the father meets him out upon the way, welcoming his weary wandering child. Glory, glory, how the angels sing. Glory, glory, how the loud harps ring. Tis the ransomed army, like a mighty sea, pealing forth the anthem of the free. The story of the prodigal son, as told by Jesus in Luke chapter 15, will be familiar, I'm sure, to all listeners, as probably one of the most famous of Jesus' parables. And I'm sure that both the father and son, on the day that they were reunited, had a melody in their hearts. So our opening song today is going to echo that joy. Commissioner Dick Crommenhurk's setting of those words, sung here by the Portsmouth Citadel Songsters. A melody in my heart.
to our theme. I know that there are a great many listeners to this podcast who, for what are a multitude of reasons, I'm sure, no longer worship and serve with us week by week in the Salvation Army. And I have to admit, hearing from these listeners, which I do without fail every single month, brings me both great joy that they still regard the organisation and its music with such fondness, but also such an immense sadness at the numbers of friends and comrades that we've lost over the last few decades. My father, Major Ken Harry, had a real deep-seated passion for what he called prodigals, and the burning he had within him to see these dear souls back in our ranks was a major driving force in all that he did for the kingdom. I remember him being at one particular corps which was driven by a desire to do more and more outreach, attempting to bring more and more new people into the fellowship. Now, that cannot be a bad thing, let me say. But Dad sat down with me one day and we wrote down a list of over a hundred names of people from small children right up to the elderly who had, in the past few years, ceased worshipping with us but still lived in the vicinity of the core. You see, in all our excitement about outreach, we'd lost our focus on inreach. Dad said on many occasions that if we as a Salvation Army cared as much for the people we already have as those that are outside our doors, we would be a much bigger and a better army. I cannot disagree, and I'm sure that those thoughts will strike a chord with many of you who are listening to this today. So here is a reminder to us all that no matter how far we may have strayed, Jesus' voice is still calling us softly and tenderly, to come home.
Donna Peterson's beautiful arrangement there of Will Thompson's words, written way, way back in 1880. It's aptly titled Song for a Prodigal and was sung for us there by the Portsmouth Citadel Singing Company from their recording Heart to Change the World. Something a little lighter now, and an arrangement that dates from the late 1970s from that most prolific of army arrangers and composers, Colonel Norman Bearcroft. I remember this, first of all, on the Song of Exultation double LP from 1979, but here's a recording from more recent days, made by the Household Troops Band of On the Sunny Side.
I know that Colonel Norman, now retired in the USA but still active in his corps, listens to this podcast each month. So I'd like to say a big hello to him and a massive thank you for all the great music that you've given us over the years. Especially, of course, all those fabulous euphonium parts. Well, you'd expect me to say that, wouldn't you? A few months ago, we had a special recording made for us on going to the army by the Colonel's son, Major Mark Bearcroft, his wife Tracy, and other members of the Corps Fellowship where they're currently serving in Abu Dhabi. Then, of course, just last month, we were able to hear that exuberant recording from the Malawi Music School that Mark and Tracy led so successfully back in August. Well, I finally found the opportunity to have a proper chat with Mark this month, but before we hear from him, let's listen to one of Mark's own compositions, the beautiful In Me, sung here by the International Staff Songsters at the Royal Albert Hall in 1992.
Hello, Mark. Hi there, and greetings to all the Going to the Army listeners. So tell us, how did you end up in the Middle East? Well, you know something's up when you get a phone call from the personnel secretary's office asking you to come to headquarters. We were the COs at Brighton Congress Hall at the time. So we got on a train and arrived at THQ for the interview. Lieutenant Colonel George Pilkington told us we were being appointed to Dubai in the Middle East region. And I have to tell you, at first we didn't believe him, so he had to show us the piece of paper. Well, the United Arab Emirates has got to be one of the most unique and exciting places to be a Salvation Army officer. What's it like serving there? Can you really be a Salvation Army officer in a Muslim country? Well, paradoxically, it's actually easier to be a Salvation Army officer here than in many other places. Muslim people have no difficulty in accepting you as a Christian person, providing you don't try to put your faith onto them. What they really struggle with is that people that profess to have no faith at all. So we can wear our Salvation Army uniforms without worry here. Actually, to be honest with you, many people assume that we are airline pilots, and when we tell them that we are Salvation Army officers, or Christian church leaders, because we really need to translate what that means, they are always interested, and it gives us a chance to explain what we are. So what's the makeup of the Salvation Army in the Middle East? Well, actually, the Middle East region encompasses four different Gulf countries. Kuwait, where Major Stewart and Heather Grinstead are stationed, United Arab Emirates, where we live, Bahrain and Oman. And throughout these countries there are numerous expat salvationists from many different countries, all of whom have come to work. Some have formed themselves into worshipping groups, or core if you like, and there are currently nine such groups throughout the region. We are directly responsible for four groups in the United Arab Emirates. Stuart and Heather run the work in Kuwait, which, by the by, includes a fascinating social work programme. There is one core in Bahrain and there's three in Oman. Actually, Amman and Bahrain haven't been officially recognised by IHQ yet, where the army is operating, but I expect they'll catch up. We also have Salvationists in Qatar, but there's no organising leader there at the moment. And another town in Oman is looking to start a fellowship soon, so we could be up to 11 centres in this region before too much longer. <laughs> that must mean a lot of travelling for you. Yes. For instance, every week we travel to Abu Dhabi, which is a 90-minute journey each way. So twice a week we drive for three hours for an hour meeting or a Bible study. And nearly once a month we take it in turns with Major Stuart and Heather to visit one of the corps that don't have officers in Oman and Bahrain. We nearly always drive to the centres in Oman, in Muscat and Soha, and the furthest away being Salala, which is still in Oman, but down on the Yemen border, where there is a flourishing Salvation Army Corps. The only problem is it's 1,200 kilometres from our quarters. So I have to ask as well, how strong is the army in the Middle East? A rough estimate would be around 250 to 300 Salvationists regularly attending the army throughout the various centres. In Abu Dhabi, we regularly have people from seven different countries worshipping together. And I would say it's really an illustration of the one army concept. Now, speaking of one army, you were in Africa recently. Yes, it's amazing the power of social media these days. I was befriended by Emmanuel, who is a Salvationist bandmaster in Lilongwe, Malawi. He asked me if we'd ever been to Africa, and we said we'd been to lead a music school in Zambia in 2000. He then said how great it would be if they could have a music school in Malawi, as they'd never had one. And the idea grew from there. 
the Western USA Territory found the funding for the flights for the four of us, and a generous contribution from the Leslie Condon Trust and various private gifts through the Facebook campaign meant that the Territory, which is really very poor, did not have to find the money for the camp. The kids were given the challenge to raise the equivalent of just under four US dollars, which doesn't sound a lot to us, but it wasn't very easy for them. But 200 kids managed to do that. 200, and there was just the four of us. And how did things work out? Well, some of the band members had only been playing for a couple of weeks, and the instruments they were using were very poor, and some were being shared by two to three players. Also, no one had ever sung in a mass choir before, but we managed to put on a final concert, which I think we could be proud of. And there's even a rough recording of it on the Malawi Music School Facebook group page, if anybody's interested. But also, we tried to provoke interest amongst the youngsters about the place of their faith in the army of today. So we led Bible studies and discussion groups, and at the end of the camp, 27 young people knelt in rededication, some of which were responding to the call to officership. So, it was a great event. Yes, what I would call real army work. It was another illustration of the one army concept working itself out. For instance, just think about it. British officers on secondment to the Middle East, leading a music school in Africa, sponsored by the Western USA Territory, the Leslie Condon Trust, and individuals from all over the world, and a good mention on going to the army. So how great is that? Thank you. I've been reminded of the internationalism of the Salvation Army through this podcast with listeners from all over the world. We truly are members of one army. Yes, and we hope to bring a good representation of delegates from the Middle East region to the International Congress next year. So look out for us and remember our region in your prayers. Last week, we sang song number 622 in the Salvation Army songbook. O thou God of every nation we now for thy blessing call. Fit us for full consecration. Let the fire from heaven fall. Bless our army. Bless our army. With thy power, baptise us all. Thanks again, Mark. And that last verse reads, Bless our general, bless our leaders, bless our officers as well. Bless our converts, Bless our soldiers. Speed the war against sin and hell. Bless our army. Bless our army. We will all thy goodness tell. And by the miracle of modern technology, let's all join with them right now with that very recording. If you have your songbook ready, it's number 622. Bless our army.
Colonel Ray Bowes was, of course, the head of the International Music Board and the bandmaster of the International Staff Band for many years. And we featured him as a composer, conductor and even flugelhorn soloist on this podcast previously. But we're going to now hear one of his lost classics. A piece I've not heard played for many years, but it was the title track of the International Staff Band's 1980 LP, The Prodigal. It's a tone poem, based on the parable, and is built around several musical motifs, cleverly intertwined with familiar songs and their associated words throughout the piece. There's the descending whole-tone interval of the give-me motive, which continues insistently in the early part of the work as the father lovingly pleads with his son, ask the saviour to help you. A further more rhythmic ask motif persists, however, and is mocked when the father's pleadings fall on the prodigal son's unhearing ears and he fritters away his father's hard-won wealth. There then follows a lamentoso passage, slow and desperate as the son falls on hard times and begins to long for home so far away. And we hear Richard Slater's old song, Afar from Heaven Thy Feet Have Wandered, played by the solo horn. And then the reassurance of its chorus, God is near thee, tell thy story, which leads to a change of heart in the sun. And so begins the long journey home, whereupon he's met by the loving father's embrace once more. The Prodigal
Another story of Jesus gladly welcoming home the lost is that of the lost sheep. Jesus, as the loving shepherd, will never forget us, even if we tend to forget him at times during the busy course of our lives. And the good shepherd will seek us, find us, and so longs to bring us back into the fold, by his grace forgiven, in his presence blessed. In the love of Jesus is perfect rest. That wonderful song by Ivy Morby, with its melody by William Hammond, has been immortalised in the cornet solo arranged by Ray Steadman Allen that we still hear played so often today. And I'd like to dedicate this item in our programme today to someone very special to me. They know who they are. In the love of Jesus 
played there so beautifully by David Dawes. One thing any prodigal needs to decide is which way he's going. And I was privileged to receive recently from Daniel Gelstad Cowley a rather precious cassette album made by Woodgreen Singing Company back in 1985. Daniel is now serving in Norway where he lives, but he shared with me some fond memories of his days back in Woodgreen Corps and particularly of the singing company under the leadership of Mary Hill. And I have to say that listening to that album, what a very fine singing company they were. And here they are now with Joy Webb's song that asks that very question. Which way are you going? Surely one of the best and most personal pieces of music based on the prodigal son, though, has to be Eric Ball's Songs in Exile. This piece, published in 1958, came into being, of course, during what might be termed Eric's own exile from the Salvation Army, having resigned his officership and staff bandmastership in 1944. Yet he remained through his life a deeply spiritual man, and rarely does the Holy Spirit speak through music as clearly as he does through this selection. The parallels between the child distanced from his father God and the parable of the prodigal son are of course able to be seen very clearly, but the soul distanced from God cries out, Toil on, just one more day. And when lost, lonely and desperate, the recollection comes to him that he is indeed the child of a king. 
And as the peace develops and God's call to his lost continues, we hear the music of, oh, how I'd love to see his face. And finally, as we hear the trumpet call to finally call the wanderer home, child and father are reunited forever in that heavenly love abiding through Arthur Arnott's beautiful song and melody, Some Glad Sweet Day. Oh, how I'd like to see his face, my Lord beholding. Oh, how I'd like to take my place, his arms enfolding. Some day I'll cross old Jordan's tide. Some day the gates will open wide. Then I shall at his feet abide, my Lord beholding. Eric Ball's Songs in Exile.
wonderful music with an even more wonderful message. I have to say that I'm very much like my dad. I don't believe there's any such thing as an ex-salvationist. There might be inactive ones. There might be those who've fallen out of love with certain aspects of the organisation, whilst there are others who have undoubtedly been hurt and feel let down by it. But I reckon that even those of you listening who might consider yourself a long way from the army these days still have a bit more than a trickle of yellow, red and blue blood in your veins. And I also know that in the privacy of your own hearts, you'll have never forgotten the love of Jesus, nor the claims that he has on you. It's easy for us to blame the army for many of our disappointments and frustrations. And lots of us, I know, frequently do. But please, try to remember. The Salvation Army is the sort of organisation that's happy to let people like me and you be part of it in the first place. So it can't very well be perfect, can it? So, if you're one of the Army's prodigals, if you've hung your harp on the willow, take it down, don't leave it there. And let's see together what wonders God has in store for us in the days to come. For we do serve a God of wonders. Let's all march on together now as we end this podcast with Arthur Rake's stirring Cairo Red Shield. Cheerio and God bless you all. Thank you.